stuff. Welcome to episode 18 of the Good Stuff Kids podcast. I'm your host, Mike Mason, and you found the show where I talk to the creators of certified and bona fide good stuff for kids and families. On today's show, I talk to Dan Nichols, and Dan has a new album coming out in just a few weeks, and we have a very special world premiere of the song No One that you'll hear Dan and I talk about during our chat. We'll also have a 4 plus 1 segment. Anything and everything that you could possibly need to know about the Good Stuff Kids podcast can be found at www.goodstuffpod.com. Hope everyone's having a great summer. Talk to you at the end of the show. It's 4 plus 1, and you know what that means. The top four songs of my Toyota Sienna, plus one song that I try to get my kids to listen to and enjoy. Coming in at number four this week is You Can't Always Get What You Want by Randy Kaplan. You probably know this song from the Rolling Stones, but Randy's version is pretty amazing. You can't always get what you want. You can't always get Number what three you want. is Inner Child Rock by Mr. Cookie Jar and the Chocolate Chips. This is for the fans at hospitals, schools, and the festivals. Hop along the love bubble, this multicolored. Coming in at number two is Hop to School by Jazzy Ash. It's sunny outside, sunny outside. The ground's too hot and my feet can't drop. I'm gonna hop, hop, hop to school. Coming in at number one is Cars and Trucks by the Sugar Free All Stars. Cars and trucks and trucks and cars, they go real fast and they go real far. Plus one this week is inspired by a concert that I went to just this past Tuesday by the band Fish. Now, many of you may know the band Fish. Many of you may like the band Fish. Many more of you may not like the band Fish. I've struggled with this very, very interesting question for many years of my life. Sometimes I love them. Sometimes I can't stand them. But this particular show was very, very, very fun. I reconnected with an old friend, and I went with my buddy John. And this song, Down With Disease, is one of my favorites, especially the guitar solo. Hope you enjoy. Waiting for the time when I can finally see this is all been wonderful, but now I'm on my way. When I think it's time to leave it all behind, I try to find a way to, but there's nothing I can say to make it stop. wrap on 4 plus 1. If you liked any of the music that you heard today, you can find all of this on Apple Music, Amazon, or Spotify. Support these artists. Four, 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 four plus one. Can you say awesome? Awesome. Can you say good stuff? Good stuff. I would love to welcome, love to welcome to the Good Stuff Kids podcast mobile studio. Dan Nichols. Hey, Dan. How are you? Mike, thank you very much. I'm good. I just climbed the tower. Tell, tell me about the tower. Well, I, classed, I last climbed the tower in 1996, and it's 2016 now, so it's been a long time. 20-year tower gap. Yeah. Wow. And uh, I did okay. Yeah. In Ooh. terms of speed, I think I was quicker. Uh-huh. In terms of accuracy, I think I was a little more on point. <laughs> I had a couple moments of, of struggle, like uh-huh. in turns, and I'm really afraid of heights. 
Oh. So this was good. Conquer the fear. I really focused on my next step and not the ground or what was behind me. Uh-huh. And um, I feel like I just came out of yoga <laughs> and with my therapist. <laughs> all at the same time. Like we were talking about all my major stuff <laughs> while doing yoga. Hit the mark. I hit the mark this time. <laughs> was uh, we should say we are at Camp Newman in, um, where are we? In like Calistoga, Sonoma, Santa Rosa, California. Cabin 3B. Cabin 3B, here to for forever known as Cabin 3B. Just a note to all the listeners, um, just take a deep whiff in. Mm-hmm. And just, I want you to go back to that, like just the most mildewy, moldy kind of scent that you've ever experienced. And that's that's where I'm at right now. That's what that's how we live here at Camp it's a little. It's a little mildewy in here. You might hear some giggles in the background. Uh, executive co-producer Jackson is in the house, hanging out. Um, so Dan, we see you every summer, and this is something that you do. You, you go around, you're on tour. Uh, I believe last year you called it the camp full tour. Similar, <laughs> similar kind of, I did research, I told you. <laughs> um, and I imagine that this summer looks a little bit like last summer, in, in many ways, but in some different ways. Um, so what are some of the highlights about being like the touring musician? Well, probably a luxury that um, maybe people don't recognize but that I have to, like, if I'm really honest. It is a luxury to be a guest pretty much everywhere I go. Mm-hmm. So for the most part, everybody's on their best behavior. So am I. And there's kind of this romantic period of time that we're together. So at Newman, it's like almost two weeks, which is rare. Other camps, it's three days. Sometimes it's just a day, and everyone's on their best behavior, and I'm everyone's turning out their very best for me, and then I go to the next community. So in that regard, that's that's unique and special, and I take that as a gift in this work mm-hmm. that I'm everyone's I'm treated to. Yeah, good vibe, good dynamic. There, there's a level of elevation. You can feel that. Yes, when you I go do. in somewhere, that that people are, are stepping up their game because of the respect that they have for you and what you bring to the table. That's that's a nice feeling. It's a nice feeling. So uh, what's the feeling like if, if you've gone to a place and <laughs> you haven't felt like a guest? Like, how do you how do you come out of that, I guess? Well, it's interesting because um, I, I sometimes will go home and talk to Alicia about, Alicia is my wife, talk to Alicia about some of the personal struggles I have with over the years. This is my 20th year of doing my creative work Jewishly. Um, Sometimes I struggle with um, the celebrity that people want to give to me, and sometimes I don't see it as a gift. I f- it feels sometimes that it's a bit of a bur- burden because I feel like I'm detached from individuals when they give that to me, and they're not seeing me for Dan, but Dan Nichols. And um, when I feel that, I sometimes feel detached and a little bit lonely. And um, what I notice is that uh, you know, in these communities where I am known and there's a bit of hype, I often feel a little bit, as I was saying, a little bit detached. And I, t- I told Alicia that I, sometimes I wish for the old days when I first was going around and nobody knew who the heck I was. And staff members would go, who are you? Uh, I'm Dan. Why are you here? I love camp. Oh, you want to cover my table? I've got a night off. You want to, <laughs> I'm low on staff. You want to sit with my kids tonight? Sure. Uh-huh. And I honestly love to do that. And I would just... It, there was something nice about going in and not being known and just doing the work of camp. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, I'm going the next camp. I'm going to Camp Ramah, Wisconsin. I've never been there before. I'm so it could be that level. Of I think it could be coming in and and being able to lay fresh groundwork. Yeah. So one thing that I noticed, um, I mean, I'll, I'll even shout out to last night. 
Um, you have the option, I would say, at this point in your career to to be at like a, a large like so, we'll call it a song section, um, and to sort of sit back and be like the mm-hmm, like I, I taught these people what they know and, and to observe and, and fold the hands. But rather, what I saw is you were in the conga line, jumping around, jumping up and down. So, um, what 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 about that choice? Like, what makes that choice? For you to, to do that. Does that, does that make sense? Like, why, why not stand back and be like, okay, this is the fruit of my labor, seeing someone like Jackson up there tearing it up, yeah. but rather like feeling the energy and, and being amongst the people? Well, I mean, first off, you gotta see like six or seven 10 year old boys in a conga line just weaving through a bunch of people singing. It's just yummy and hilarious and wonderful. <laughs> and they actually seem happy and comfortable in their own skin. And I find that magnetic and I just want to get in on that because that just feels like a good place to be. So that's before I even like think about it intellectually, emotionally, I just see that. I'm like, I want in on that. <laughs> so there's that. But then the intellectual part too is um, I wanted to show the song leaders that I'm invested in and not on the edge. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to show them that uh, I'm engaged. And I will tell you, to the song leader's credit, last night I was talking with Toby Peckner mm-hmm. during the song session for a hot minute. Mm-hmm. And one of the song leaders came over to me and she's playing her guitar and she looked at me <laughs> and everything of her energy said, you need to be activated in the song session right now. I hold you accountable. Wow. And I was like, oh, that's right. Where's my conga line? Uh-huh. Yeah. So, so that was a good bit of it too. It was yeah. like, I love this work. I yeah. just... I just well, want to get yeah. busy doing it. It's lead by example. It's practice, practice what you preach. Don't ask people to do something you wouldn't do yourself. Yeah. All makes sense to me. Um, so you, outside of the summer, you spend a lot of time going to different communities where you may be a familiar person, you may not be familiar. Um, so let's imagine that, that you are walking into a room of like eighth graders. Or no, not eighth graders, sorry. I want to say eight-year-olds on like a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. What is in... Dan's bag of tricks, like the thing that you do, the song that you use that, that has been your no fail way of, of bringing the group to you. Oh, I, I know what it is. I learned it from Kenny Green a couple of years ago. Kenny Green is a song leader from the, the, the Northeast, like New York area. Uh-huh. One of the greatest song leaders I've ever seen, Kenny uh-huh. Green. And I just watched him do some things where he challenged eight year old, nine year old kids, challenged them and said, Things like you will not be able to do this. There's no way you'll be able to sing this next thing I would I'm gonna do. And then and he would sing it and then the kids would just lean in and then slam and like, oh yeah, we're gonna do it. And so I kind of guess I turned took a page from that. One day I was song leading with this kind of age great, I don't know, like six, seven, eight year olds. And I said, repeat after me. And one of the kids went, repeat after me. Oh, you love that. And I went. <laughs> On the inside, I went, oh, you're being such a jerk. Uh You're being sassy. But something in the moment, I was like, maybe I wonder what if I didn't get angry that I played with that. So I went, repeat after me. And then four people went, repeat after me. And then I went, repeat after me. And then 12 of them went, repeat after. And then I started just saying words like cheesy nuggets. And they all said cheesy nuggets. And then I was like, words that sound inappropriate that aren't. (laughs) <laughs> corn niblets <laughs> slapping asparagus and I watched as the whole room was like with me and was repeating everything I said and I uh-huh. said no matter what no matter what so then I started teaching the thing that I wanted to teach and the whole group was with me in a way they had never been before mm-hmm. and I realized well okay we are playing and we're also learning and it's fun as, it's, that feels like great fun for me mm-hmm. 
to find ways to infuse play with actually giving the content. Mm -hmm. And so if there's a secret thing I do, it's no secret, because I've even said to the groups, do you realize, do you realize how much power, how much power you're giving to me? <laughs> you're giving to me. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to even name it. Yeah. And they're still with me. And they're still so, with you. Yeah. yeah. So I, I hit that one a lot as a way to also build a relationship with the group that doesn't know me. Yeah. So um, that the, age group. Yeah. The, perfect. So the idea of fun, um, I, I sort of feel like I want to lump the idea of fun with your energy, which you have a lot of, which I think is uh, something that I aspire to, right? I have energy, but I can only do it for 15 minutes at a time. But, uh, so like keeping it fun, keeping up the energy, keeping it fresh for you as someone who's doing music full time, how, how do you, how do you make all of that happen? Uh, I think the, you know, I think play is essential for me. I try to look at this work as try to find something new in it all the time. And I think the way I do that is by playful mind, a beginner's mind almost. It's like, really, I've said this times in concerts when, or even song leading when I'm teaching. It's like Lego theory. It's mm. like, I got the Death Star Lego set and I built it, but I'm not going to lacquer it. Let's take it apart mm. and let's see what we can, what, what else we can build with it. Mm -hmm. And that kind of attitude where, for me, nothing, I don't, I don't want to take myself seriously. I want to take the work seriously, but I'm willing to have myself like make fun of myself and make fun of the, the way I'm being for the sake of exploring something new. Mm -hmm. And to me, play, playful mind is a really powerful, dynamic, creative place to be so that it's always new for me. So mm -hmm. it's fresh. Yeah, some ways that I've seen you do that. So I've, I first met you, I think, in 2002 at uh, Kutz Camp in Warwick, New York. And, um, and I was like, what, what is going on here? Like, you know, as like music guy, like sort of snobby music guy, I was like, what is this guy going to do? Right. And then you were doing your thing and, and <laughs> I was like, okay, okay, Dan, like, okay. And then I was in a massive Weezer phase. Like it was like right around the green album mm -hmm. and, um, mm -hmm. and you played Island in the Sun. Yeah. That and was, I was on like, the green album. I love that song. My guy. Like that sealed the deal. So um, wow. I be, I feel like that plays into the your idea of how we keep it fresh, how you keep it playful. Um, so I've seen you cover Weezer, yeah. I've seen you cover Coldplay, um, Motion City soundtrack is a different kind of cover, I would say. Um, but who are some of your other musical influences, like the stuff that gets you going that you really that really resonates with you? Well, the reason I picked up the guitar in the first place before I before I even knew that really what song leading could be for me in my life, I wanted to pick up the guitar and learn how to play Harry Chapin songs. My dad listened to them when I was a child all the time. And, and my dad worked really, this is important, my dad worked his, he was gone a lot. He'd be gone at two weeks at a time then home on a weekend for a long period of time. And, and that was hard on our whole family. The weekends he would home, it was home, we'd get in the car and go to the hardware store and he'd buy tools and whatever. And he would play for me Harry Chapin songs in the car, and he would like we would deconstruct them. Like, listen how this rhyme scheme works. Listen to the internal rhyme; it's brilliant. Uh -huh. And I learned to love those songs because they were a soundtrack of me being with my dad. Mm -hmm. Then you fast forward me going to camp, and there I am in cabin seventeen, and Rabbi at the time, Kenny Chasen, mm -hmm. now Rabbi Ken Chasen, and Leo Beck Temple in Los Angeles was my counselor. He was nineteen, I was fourteen, and in the dark of the cabin, he's playing those Harry Chapin songs that my dad was playing for me in the car on those, those hardware runs. And 
and it was mind-blowing mm-hmm. to hear those songs surrounded by my best friends in the world hearing that soundtrack of my you know my connection to my dad I came home and just had to learn to play those songs uh-huh. that's the reason I picked up so Harry Chapin's a huge inspiration mm-hmm. his songs mm-hmm. for for me being associated with making music picking up the guitar and playing huh. it's the one that comes to my mind yeah. and I still play those songs today like this last two weeks I've been doing cabin times at the end of the night going into kids cabins yeah. and playing those are the songs I usually play are Harry Chapin songs uh-huh and I'll tell kids, I learned this song when I was 14 years old in the cabin, and my cats yeah. were playing for me. Yeah. It blew my mind. Yeah. And I want to I want to share it. I feel uh, I feel that way about uh, Cats in the Cradle. You know, like um, yeah. I've played that song like in concert before, like with my kids there, and I'll be like, I'm not you know like like you know the last one when the kids like too busy for the dad and I like yeah. <laughs> like it's real, it's deep, man. It's I don't deep. get that feeling from lots of other stuff, and so I appreciate that. In a major way. Well, thank you. It's kind of weird now you're talking about it and reflecting that I do stuff that I definitely, there are times when I want to go heavy. I want to get deep mm-hmm. with people of all ages and find moments where we are hearing or paying attention to a moment that moves us. However, but at the same time, I really want to be a total goofball yeah. and be totally ridiculous yeah. and take myself seriously and talk about yeah. slapping asparagus and yeah, why that's <laughs> fully appropriate to say but sounds really inappropriate yeah it's totally fine to say that um, so so I'm gonna I when you're in concert right yeah when you're in concert and you do like party time yep two 20 second backstory on party time Iceland the artist's name is Matoid my friend heard it in concert bought the CD, played it for me. I had an asthma attack. I laughed so hard. <laughs> and so I put that away. I had to learn that song and I keep that in my pocket if I need to get weird and get happy. That yeah. song is it. So, Party time. So you have that and then you have, you know, other songs. Like, what would you say is the moment for you in concert when you're like, this this song is, I am putting something out that is seriously me and I want this to, to be out for you to hear and to feel and to, to understand where I'm coming from. Well, I mean, as soon as you start asking that, I start. Uh, it's this song I wrote called a Shiryatsar. That's what I call the song. It's based on a prayer, you know, the, the prayer that says, you know, you got God, you made our bodies just as they should be. You gave us everything we need and you made them incredibly beautifully and uh, marvelously. And if one of our openings or closings were to open or close at the wrong time, we would not even be able to stand here and praise you. So there's all this recognition of fullness, completeness, and reverent, like reverence to the Holy One who made our bodies. And yet the last line says, Blessed be God, uh, healer of all flesh that works wondrously. And it made me wonder, if God makes us and we've got everything we need, why exactly do we need healing then? And that just kind of unlocked my own question about what does it mean to just be Dan and the, the English lyric in that song is very deeply personal to me and my own struggles with, uh, you know, I struggle with anxiety and depression. It's part of who I am and how I kind of roll in my world. Music is the thing that buoys me and keeps me above water and keeps me seeing hope. And, uh, the, you know, the, those English lyrics of that song are, they are foundational to me, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thank you for my life, body, and soul. Help me realize I'm beautiful and whole. I'm perfect the way I am and a little broken too. And I will live each day as a gift I give to you. Mm-hmm. So you can take that moment during the concert as like, I'm really present. Because 
I, I will speak from my experience, not of you, but my experience of myself. Like sometimes when you're up there doing that, you're 50% thinking about what you're singing, you know, 10% thinking about what you're playing, and then 40% like, okay, well, that kid over there is not doing anything. Like, you know, this one over here is like trying to talk to this girl. Like this girl over here is like, you know, she just fell down. Like, is she okay? Yeah. And I think too, yeah. uh, it's really hard to consciously be present in that situation. So I'm glad that you have that, that time for yourself to do that. It's, that's very meaningful. Thanks for sharing that. You're welcome. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a little fanboy right now. So uh, my favorite of your songs is um, Shire Zimra. And the reason why is because I, I was, I think there's like four parts, maybe more. I don't know, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, just as an example, for, for that song, there's four parts. Each of them are a chorus. Like each of those are like, in my mind, like perfect melody, perfect musicality. I, I just think that like wow. that could have any words to it. And it would be beautiful, just the way that you deliver the melody, the way that the song's constructed. Mm-hmm. So that's my uh, that's my um, my thank you to you for that song. And thank but you. my my question is: so when you have a song that's like four sticky, hooky, chorusy parts, like how many drafts do you, the songwriter, go through to get to that point? And when you and mm-hmm. how do you know when you're done? Because I imagine that song, you could be like, well, I could add this, and that's going to sound sick, or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that, I remember I was in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I was working for Mount Zion Temple. Uh, Rachel Stockspilker is there. I think she's the cantor there. We just finished about morning services, and then afterwards we're hanging out, and she said, I think you should put this to music. This is a great text. I don't know any melodies for it. So she kind of gave me the challenge and I had all the rest of Saturday to myself. And because I like spending time with Jewish text, I like just (laughs) hanging out and just daydreaming that, I went back to my hotel room and I spent probably the next seven hours in the hotel room with the text and the guitar. And the song was pretty much done by the... Wow. By, yeah, the, the seventh hour. It was, yeah. And so... Through those seven hours, I imagine there were many drafts. I would hit a spot and go, that's useful, I'll save that, and then hit works on something else. And that one I remember specifically is I laid out the Hebrew, and I underlined the stresses of the syllables, and then I just played, just spoke the words over and over and over again and tried to hear the rhythm that was coming out of the Hebrew itself. I remember doing that mm-hmm. with that song, like circling the strong syllables in the lines. And it really was rhythm that drove that song first. Oh, it was wow. actually the rhythm of the Hebrew uh-huh. that drove the melody. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Wow, nice. Seven hours. Yeah. Is it, would you say that's standard or that's a little uh, above average? Uh, well, because I had the time and because, you know, Alicia and Ava were back home in Raleigh, I had no other responsibility. Uh-huh. And uh, that is, I have to say, singing and playing guitar for myself is how I take care of myself. Uh-huh. So um, time, time changes. Like I don't get hungry. I don't think about anything else. I don't think about what happened yesterday or what's happening tomorrow. I'm in the moment. Uh-huh. And it's how I, that's how I cope with my own feeling sadness that I regularly struggle with or my own anxiety about what's happening tomorrow or in an hour. And so I'm really grateful that I have that practice. And so when I had that opportunity, I was like, I know exactly where I'm going to be. Yeah. I'm going to be in my room just noodling on my guitar. Yeah. 
So that when I'm left to myself, like during the day when Ava goes off to school and Alicia goes off to work, I spend I spend the whole day just playing, knocking around, pl- literally playing. Yeah. Not even judging. Uh-huh. I'm just putting it out. I'll deal with the judgment later, uh-huh. like what's gonna keep and what's gonna throw away, uh-huh. and just play. Wow. I didn't um, go to Mon- I did not go to Mon- Montessori school as a kid, so but I that. but I would I really aspire to the idea that the Montessori idea of our work is our play and our play is our work. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you embody that. I think that people pick up on that about you. Um, new record. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Tell tell us. It's called I Believe. Okay. Uh, I I'm feeling great about it. Uh-huh. I've taken some risks with this program that are. That it feels good that I'm taking them. It tells me I'm growing and reaching and trying. Uh-huh. And as a result of that, there are some things that I'm I don't know clearly how the audience that I've built so far is going to hear them, whether they're going to be confused or uh, disturbed, maybe. So uh, it, it, I'm challenging. I think a lot of convention in, uh, in terms of lyrical content. In for example, of... Ain Kelohenu. Uh-huh. I hear Ain Kelohenu, and I when I look at the translation, you know. Uh, there's none like our God. Uh, there's none like our King. There's none like our ruler. There's none like our Savior. Those are very big, heavy, square, rigid ideas. Mm-hmm. And to me, when I think about them, and then I think, what does that sound like? I hear Foo Fighters. I hear heavy, heavy bass and drums. I hear heavy, distorted guitars. That's what I, at least I heard. Mm-hmm. And I wrote an Ankelohainu that sounds that way. Okay. And um, I'm pretty sure, well... Um, my truth at the moment is I'm the only person that's going to like it. <laughs> I don't know. You said some magic words in there. You said heavy bass and heavy drums. Like, the, my ears perked up. That's good. Well, one of the things I struggle with in my creative work is rec- replicability at camps. Right. And then just also being willing to claim artist space. Like, the artist space is I look at my belly button and I go, what do I want to say? And what I want to say is what should be said. But the song leader space is so not that. Right. Me, I got to come second, maybe third, fourth, or fifth. But the group is first. What do they need? Mm-hmm. And so I struggle with that a little bit. You know, that's, yeah, I struggle with finding the grays. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I just gave myself permission and I said, oh, this is what I'm hearing. I'm going to write it and record it. And I did. And it's coming out on this new record. Can't wait. I dig it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're in. We're in. So when is, it, when is that out? Uh... I would say probably in the next four to six weeks. Four to six weeks. I, I, I've been grateful to work with an artist, an incredible woman named Sarah Edelstein. Mm-hmm. And she's actually teaching here at Camp Newman for these two weeks, teaching um, visual art and line drawing and, and brush painting and uh, color, like watercolor work. Uh, I love her work. I think mm-hmm. she's got an incredible aesthetic. And when I see what she's done, it inspires me. And this album of all my works probably is very visual. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was thinking it might be cool to have her bring that to life. So she's done an individual panel for each song on the album oh, cool. that kind of really explodes the idea of what the song means. That process of getting the artwork all proofed and, and, um, and done has become an enormous undertaking, mm-hmm. far greater than we thought it would be. Really? Yeah. Hmm. So it's slow. It's making the process go slower mm-hmm. than I want it to. So you, you, it sounds like we need physical CDs for this one. We got to see the art. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, I'm putting the notebook down. We're going off book. Okay. We're gonna get a little weird. Um, <laughs> so, you like hoops? I love the hoops. You love you love the hoops. I'm very passionate about basketball. Okay, where does your passion lie? Does your passion lie in the professional game or the college game? All of it. Okay. I love to play it. 
I love to watch it. I love college ball. I went to University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill. Uh huh. So I'm a Tar Heel all the way. Which era? So who were the who were the stars when you were there? Oh, it was a rough period of time. It was J.R. Reed and King Rice and Steve Bucknall. And I'm gonna tell you, this is I need to tell you. Tell me. That I got on an elevator at my dorm. It's a ten floor dorm, and there was an unspoken rule that if you get on the elevator, you only get on the elevator and ride if you live on floors three and up. Uh-huh. And I got on the elevator with Steve Bucknall. Uh-huh. And Steve Bucknall said, two. <laughs> so what do you do? <laughs> and it was everything I could do not to just call him such a loser. Because that's what I felt. I'm like, seriously? This explains why your squad is so incredibly underperformed. <laughs> he, you know, he's supposed to be a lockdown defender. I found that season... I'm so resentful of this still. Can you tell I'm angry? Well, the, the look on your face... I've never seen it. It's uh, it's anger mixed with frustration mixed with more anger. Tell me more. Let her rip. It's about time that the people heard. You're Steve Bucknall. You play for the Tar Heels and you're riding an elevator to two. To two. Come on, and man. What's, and what's the unspoken rule? Three and up. Three and up. Unbelievable. I would have been livid. Okay, so back to hoops. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I was born in Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh-huh. And so... Um, you know, IU Hoops with Bobby Knight was, that was the thing in Indiana at the yeah. time. My dad took me to, to ABA games when the, the Indiana Pacers were an ABA team. Uh-huh. And I was like six years old and I saw uh, a, a guy during the game dunk the basketball and break the backboard and shatter it into a million people. So it was this sense of I was connecting with like real power. Yeah. It was the red, white, and blue ball. I uh-huh. had that as a kid. Oh, I just nice. loved the, the look, the feel of basketball. I listened to radio and, and when I go to bed at night, Alex English, one of my favorite mm-hmm. Pacer players. I remember Bobby Knight had a show on Channel 4 every Saturday morning. And I remember him, there was one moment, he's up on a ladder at the rim. And he has two basketballs. And he takes the two basketballs and he puts them through the hoop at the same time. And he looks right in the camera's eye and he goes, that's why you should never miss a free throw. (laughs) And it cuts to commercial. And I remember like breaking into a sweat like, oh my God. I can never miss a free throw. Oh. He's right. Yeah. So I just love basketball. I love to play it. I love the way my body feels in it. And I don't, I'm not a runner. I can't get motivated for running. But will you play basketball? Mm -hmm. And I'll just go, let's go. Let's play again. Let's play again. On one foot. Who are your top five all-time basketball players? Fantasy fantasy draft. Okay, well, um, Michael is going to be uh, a two or three, whatever he wants. (laughs) Uh Um, I'd like to have Magic Johnson run the point Mm -hmm. and be the one. I'd like Kareem to be our center. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think, hmm, I don't know. It's interesting. I'm so, you know, it's a Tar Heel thing. I guess... I remember as a child watching James Worthy and his his athleticism. I want to go Worthy, but I think I may be shortly like too long sighted. Like you know, like Westbrook probably should be a part of that conversation. Yeah. But then does he go two and Michael goes three, and then who who's the four? Who's my four? If Tim Duncan's my four, that's it. That's a good it's choice. It's Kareem, Tim, Michael, Michael Westbrook, Michael Jordan, and. Magic Johnson, okay. standing on one foot. That's that's my five. Who's your sixth man? Sixth man. Just for fun, I'm going to say Kurt Rambis. <laughs> Love those goggles. Glasses. 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 
Um, well, that's just all passion. That's no. That's no. That's all heart. And there's no intelligence in the choice. There's no stats friends. behind this. There's no money no, ball God. behind this. It's no, all love. No. All heart. It's all emotion. Thank you. From all of the campers, counselors, all the people for whom you are the soundtrack wow. of the summer. It's been <laughs> awesome to talk to you and peel back the layers a little bit and, and hear a little bit. Thank you for being so honest and yeah. really, really a pleasure. Thanks, Dan. Thank you. All right. That's it for episode number 18. Is it a coincidence that Dan Nichols' band is also called 18? I don't know. Perhaps it is. If you have any questions again or anything that you want to know more about in terms of the Good Stuff Kids podcast, you can visit our website, www.goodstuffpod.com. Thanks so much for listening. Next week is my birthday episode. If you were thinking about a birthday present for me, all you'd need to do is go to iTunes and search for Good Stuff Kids podcast, and you can subscribe, rate, and comment. That's all I want for my birthday this year. Thanks a lot for listening, and we will see you next week. You'll now hear No One by Dan Nichols from his brand new album, I Believe, in its entirety.
Stuff.